Hello and welcome to a Golden Hat special of the Brazen Broadcast, brought to you through the magic of a whisper in the dark, asking you to forget your ancestors and start worshipping a giant bull. My name is Oxymandeus, and as always, I'm joined by Chitskoy. Hi guys. Reva. Hey everyone. And Michael X. Hey man, what's up? Now, today, uh, fellas, we're going to be talking about Golden Hat 36, which has just finished. Uh, it was one of the best turned out competitions we've had on CDO for quite some time. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the Golden Hat is a painting competition uh, that we run on the website where we're given a theme, uh, normally quite a loose theme, and we go about creating something to match it. And uh, this time, the theme was Siege Giants or Siege Gargants for the... Uh, the Age of Sigmar fans among you. Um, so yeah, some of us uh, created giants, some of us created giant-inspired things, but yeah, there's a, there's a whole variety, a whole smorgasbord of, of different paint jobs that we're going to be talking about. We're going to be going to every single one of these entries, uh, talking about who created them, discussing them in detail, and, uh, and sharing our thoughts about them with you. Uh, for those of you watching on YouTube, you will be able to see these images up on your screen as we discuss them. For those of you who are uh, listening at home, you could uh, go on to the original um, Golden Hat thread, which we will link, uh, so you can actually look at the pictures while we discuss them there. And those of you who are driving, um, Eddie, I'm talking to you. Don't start looking at pictures when you're behind the wheel, mate. Look at the pictures and then listen later. Um, are we about ready to start then, fellas? Yeah, absolutely. So let's look at the first Siege Giant. So the first Siege Giant was created by Debo. Having a look at this guy, he is absolutely fantastic, isn't he? He's built on an absolutely giant scale. And I'm loving, really, really loving the bright, bold 1990s style colours that he's used. In fact, he's put his model in front of the uh, the original White Dwarf Presents um, Chaos Dwarfs book. And you can see the inspiration for the colours popping straight through there. I think what he's used is he's used one of Lost Kingdom Miniatures um, statues and he's just blown it up to a ludicrous size and painted it not like a statue, uh, painted it uh, like it's something alive. And it's got this wild, <laughs> wild stare looking into your soul this guy looks pissed off <laughs> what have we got to say about this one fellas well he was the first one that stood out from to me um <laughs> and the first thing that sprung in my mind is the first thing i quoted on the on the forum that's like i guess this guy must be remembering some kind of green skin uprising or something he's totally back in vietnam i love it and as you said the color scheme is is well it's it's very old school and it fits the model actually pretty well. Yeah, I like what he's done with the uh, the broken wall there in the background. gives it uh, gives it a sense that he's just smashed through that thing and he's just kind of gloating now, standing in his in this little courtyard. Yeah, absolutely love it. I really enjoy the goblin green grass base aesthetic. Um, I think it's 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 almost kind of like a suggestion of what would have happened if the big hat range of the 90s had sort of carried on forward, right? And had gone mental without going grimdark. Um, and and I think it's got just, it's, it's one of the most charming entries in the contest this time around. Yeah, I have to agree with that, absolutely. The, the base itself is totally, totally evocative of that era. And a lot of those old factions from those eras don't have the giant crazy models because 
well, Games Workshop wasn't producing them back then. So naturally, as the game became more grimdark, the models got bigger around that time. So we don't really have examples, apart from a couple of those armor casts and kind of like original Forge World style models of what kind of 1990s style models would have looked like at this scale. And I think he's managed to, yeah, he's managed to create that. And you guys mentioned in the Smashed Wall there, I cannot believe I hadn't even noticed that. How did, I suppose I was too busy staring at his, uh, at his big old eyes and those bright colors. I didn't even notice that. He's got, um, is it the Kool-Aid Man? Reaver, I'm making an American reference. Can you help me? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I only know it's secondhand through references. I'm trying, guys. Well, the funny thing is, it's it's looking at the details of the model and having painted 36 of these guys, but then in, in bar scale, it's it's pretty stunning how much it looks like the, 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 the small version. I think Lost Kingdom just blew up the scale of this one and added the X to it. But it's it's exactly the same model as I've painted, so it's it's fun seeing it in a different uh, color scheme. It's quite a um, it's quite a uh, a statement of the quality of Lost Kingdom miniatures that that Debo's been able to blow it up to this scale, and it doesn't look like it's lacking for detail, does it? It looks good at this scale, which mm -hmm. does go to show the amount of detail they are squeezing into twenty eight millimeter models is crazy, isn't it? I suppose you could even blow it up again two or three times this this size i reckon you could yeah makes me want to try it i've, I've printed one of these um actually i've printed the the three different statues that they have including this one um but uh not this big so it'd be, it'd be interesting to see how how large you could take those up and get them on an fdm printer and i'm i'm certain you'd still have uh have some detail there that the fdm would you know blur a little bit but yeah i think you could blow it up a whole lot bigger than they furnish those stl files in Depending on the size of printer you have, you could probably go like 20 centimeters high, something like that. What's that? <laughs> uh, just under 10 inch? Yeah, like, yep. Ross thinking, it just goes show that that model looks quality at its size. You could you could blow it up to a crazy proportion. You could stick it at a bit of an angle and use a mesh mixture or something to cut part of it off. You could have like a giant centerpiece piece of terrain of like a half-buried uh, Chaos Dwarf statue. And that's just making me want to do that. Yeah, I think I think 3D prints are really good for doing that kind of stuff because you don't feel as bad damaging or destroying them and building them into terrain, right? Because they didn't cost you the earth to mm. actually get a version of. So you could really feel like you could fuck it up as much as yeah. you would need to do for an old decayed statue without feeling too bad about the money you're throwing away. I mean, I mean, the fact as well, yeah, you can you can convert them so much easier and without that, that guilt or fear, especially no one likes cutting up a classic mini. I've done it and it's, it hurts every time you do it. But mm. with, with, with a, a model like this as well being scaled up to this, if Lost Kingdom miniatures were still only selling physical models, this simply would not have been an option to you, would it? No. Well, then we'd have to see either custom sculpted giants or heavily, heavily converted giants to be amazed like this yeah there was a fella on the facebook um who who re-sculpted a really old um chaos dwarf 1980s model at a really large scale but and that was all that was all done completely, right. completely by hand um and i've tried to nab him for the for the brazen bulletin now we were talking but uh seems to have dropped off hopefully hopefully i'll grab it at some point it's lovely I, I would love to do an article about it um, that looked like an absolute labour of love, like something he has spent months, if not maybe a year, sculpting from scratch. You know, a really, a really like uh, a long kind of slow traditional process. Whereas this can be done with a uh, with a three D printer and, and scaling it up, and you can have an amazing result. 
one last thing on on Debo's mini, right? We talked, regular listeners will remember, we talked about Lost Kingdom and the range, and we talked about how it was, you know, grim, dark, big house. I think Debo's done something that none of us would necessarily have bothered to do, which is he's taken that grimmer, darker, big hat, and he's just been like, fuck that, it's 1994. <laughs> and he has ungrimdarked it by using a retro color scheme that's taken straight from the Warhammer Army book or the White Dwarf Presents. And honestly, to look at it in the first instance, I didn't even realize it was Lost Kingdom until I'd been trying to figure out what he'd done because he's made it look so much more fun, you know? That's such a good point. That is such a good point. He, he really, really has done that, which is, is a, 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 you know, a testament to, to Debo's skill as a, as a modeler and a painter here and also a testament to those Lost Kingdom miniatures that they do have one foot in both camps of both being grimdark and old mm. school. So it goes to show that the, uh, the artists can actually take those in either direction. You could make a very retro-looking army using Lost Kingdom miniatures if mm. painted in this style. Interesting, interesting. Right, shall we plough on to the next one? Um, oh, I recognise this one. This one's your one, isn't it, Michael? Yep. Okay, so here we have Michael X's um, Siege Giant. Um, if for those of you who are, are listening at home and cannot see the images in front of you, what we have is we have a kind of a bit more of a classic take on what a giant is. We're looking at a kind of hulking brute kind of uh, of, of muscle who looks like he possibly hasn't bathed in quite some time. Um, he's got horns kind of sprouting out of his head and his body, suggesting kind of... Uh, chaos worship or at least chaos taint and some kind of chaos dwarf style runes like in scarification uh, across his back and he's based on the the same size base as a as a regular warhammer giant but i'm going to imagine michael this is something you've 3d printed isn't it yep it's uh yeah. it's actually the well uh, loyalty rewards from raven twin miniatures uh, i was subscribed to their patreon for a few months uh, they also make a lot of lizard men and some dwarfs, and I don't know what they do these days, but that was about it back then. Um, and they released this at some point when they gained, I think it was a uh, 500 followers or something like that. Um, and I knew I wanted to print it, but I didn't really had it on my uh, agenda yet until this uh, golden hat came around. Um, and it's actually quite modular, so each hand is separate, and you have like five or six options per side. Then you have like five or six head swaps. So, well, pretty pretty free in in the weapon choices there. And I saw it had a hand that was free, you know, to well stuff in whatever you wanted. So I figured it would be funny to just <laughs> well stick a, a fanatic in there that's uh, yeah. being dragged around <laughs> by his ball and chain. <laughs> Yeah, that's something I hadn't mentioned yet. Absolutely. Um, yeah, he's he's he has quite literally got this fanatic by the balls. And uh, by that, we do, of course, mean his ball and chain. <laughs> uh, Michael, you, you say you say that he had alternate heads and stuff. So, so if somebody could have, in theory, used the same set to create a bit more of a orc and goblins giant or an imperial giant or something. You've you've kind of picked the more chaotic head, have you? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Well exactly which heads there were but i believe that was pretty much the same but then without the horns uh, mm -hmm. pretty much the same but then without the beard well that was a no-go obviously um and i believe there was one that was 
pretty different than the others, but I forgot. I, I think four or five had, op had options. I just went with the one that I liked the most. Yeah. And then for weapon choices, I think you had a, a, a hammer, a bat, uh, a mace, barehanded, and something else. I, I, I forgot the other one, a flail or something like that. But I felt the hammer, the 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 axe looked just well badass, so I went for that. And also, I have a, uh, I already have the other giant that I painted like two weeks before this golden hat was announced with the giant hammer. So I was like, mm, let's do something else than a hammer. And you've painted that axe. I've noticed you've done this on a few of your things. Uh, the axe has got a kind of like a, a warp stone, a weird stone thing going on, hasn't it? Yeah, and that's actually that's inspired by uh, Among the Wicked Dawi. Um, oh, is that right? Yeah, I don't know which episode that uh, it's mentioned, but it's like I believe you talk about some greenish stone uh, that that they find in the caves, or at least that's how it developed in my head. Um, yeah, I was like, yeah, that's cool. So I was like, you know, the, the the dwarves in my mind they just use whatever they find in the ground, whatever it is, and it was like, okay, some sort of obsidian, greenish obsidian. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. Let's make sharp weapons of it, or decoration pieces. Yeah. And it, it it contrasts nicely with the color scheme I have going. So it's it's like some highlight on a model in green. I like I liked it. The first thing I did was the hammer of the giant, the other giant, and then the axe was the second one. Which well, it, this one is actually the best one I ever painted, <laughs> uh, the axe. So and then I started doing it on on all different kinds of models. I just wanted to say, I think that that is hilarious that you you got that idea or, you know, that was how it, it, it read in your head because it's my favorite part of the mini as well. Um, <laughs> I think I think the most impressive things that, that for my money that you've done with this one are, I think the beard is painted in an extremely impressive way. I think the scarification is an incredibly cool touch. But I think those two pops of color with the potion on the right hand side although it's not as easy to see in in this picture i'm looking at as it might be you can see it in the top right corner um and then the axe blades a really interesting use of contrast that kind of totally stand out on the mini which i think is very impressive thank you yeah and uh, there's also he has a, a piece of armpit bling which is my favorite part uh as you, you brought the green in in more than one place and i, I think that really that really ties it all together as well. You have the the subtle green on the on the goblin, but yeah, I like that you're you're bringing that in not just in weapons but in the some ornamentations as well. I quite like the idea of a chaos dwarf sorcerer knowing exactly what this this weird stone is all about, and knowing that if he ties it to a giant for lo like for long enough, like hold on to this axe or wear this piece of jewelry or whatever, <laughs> he knows something interesting is going to happen. They might have to kill that giant at some point, or he might become more impressive at some point. But he knows something's going to happen. He's just watching. <laughs> Very scaven. Yeah, it is almost, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. All right, lovely, lovely work there, Michael. Um, Oh, look, we're going straight on to another one of our podcast hosts. Um, I promise we're not doing this. This is the order that it, it comes out um, on the thread. But this happens to be your one, doesn't it, Reva? Yes, sir. So what you can what you can see if you're looking on the screen and what you can't see if you're listening without a visual aid, I'll explain to you, is um, a pair of, of Chaos Dwarf style uh, genies. I suppose like a gin would be a better way of describing them. Um, 
kind of floating out of a a kind of like Mesopotamian style vase. This vase has been kind of uh, put into a crack in the earth where lava's coming out, and these two purple demony spirits of cast dwarfs are kind of like circling out of it and, and intertwining with each other. And uh, any any uh, followers of the forum who, who's aware of Eddie, who's aware of Lodriel's uh, of work as an artist, will see there's quite a bit of inspiration from a recent piece of art that he created, where um, Chaos Dwarfs have these kind of like, um, I don't really know how he would describe it, disembodied limbs, kind of like Rayman from the old PlayStation game. His arms aren't connected to his body sort of thing. They kind of float around him. And I think somebody said in the forum, that would be a fun thing to turn into a miniature. And someone else said, that would be impossible to turn into a miniature and the conversation ended there but i think reva you've probably gone challenge accepted at that point haven't you yeah that was the that was the intent i was i was hoping i'd be the only only one to do that because we were talking about that on from eddie's art for quite a while but uh yeah it's uh, i've seen it done a, a couple of times uh so, some older miniatures you have more like a a spectral form that's just like you know floating gloves and and you know they use capes or something like that to make that happen but um yeah this was a little bit more uh like i wanted to be a little truer to what eddie had there and uh, i like the idea that the the bracelets that they have on some of their other gold jewelry is part of what i don't know something that keeps them kind of tied together and they have that kind of you know the golden jewelry like motif kind of scattered around them and those had those cyborg berserkers that already had bracelets just like that on and i was like well this is just happening so there's really nothing else i could do about it at that point nice nice well i gotta say i really like the hammers i mean i feel like it's a recurring theme in this podcast and what i'm saying but they just pop out because you know it's, it's like great purple hammer and it's the, the color i suppose it's like meant to be glowing fiery or either rust i think it's fiery it's just yeah case. it was I was more so shooting for for fiery um the and that's honestly that didn't happen until I was kind of most of the way through the build um I was actually not even considering using the hammers uh because uh just taking a look at Eddie's art but um yeah these berserkers have uh, dual wielding hammers and they are kind of one of the main reasons that I originally got that kit so um decided to try and use a couple of them and I had a little bit of a little bit too much uh, void space between the miniature and the base and so I had the idea of having like lava coming up from the base and then that kind of spiraled into oh well like where's that going and then maybe it like has something to do with the hammers so it was kind of a it was kind of an afterthought to be honest um but it it added a different a different color to it instead of just like a you know purple spirit so I think that turned out okay so i i voted for this um and and i've said behind your back to the others a couple of times that i if there's no such thing as a first place vote but like this is the one that we saw in this golden hat that like took my breath away i think it is an absolute standout piece and i think the thing that is most interesting about it is the sheer sense of like fluidity and motion that's inherent to everything that you've captured, um, which makes the technical achievement of the gaps, which if you can't see the picture, you'll need to have a look, even more impressive. Um, how fragile do you think this thing is? I mean, how long do you think it's going to live being connected in the way that it is? Um, I mean, that was what took the most time 
Uh, it's mm. a lot of wire and a lot of super glue. About you know fifty percent as much super glue as ended up on my hands, um, <laughs> and uh, and a lot of baking soda and that assembling that armature. I mean, getting the two guys connected at the shoulder was multiple pins. So I think two or three pins. And then from there on, I had about six wires into one of the torsos that then come out of that and twist all together. And then they diverge in mm. a bunch of different ways. Uh, so that part of it, I think is okay. I think the suspect point is into the jar or mm. into the, into the base on there on the base. But I spent a lot of time drilling a hole all the way down through that. So hopefully, uh, hopefully it sticks together. All right. Yeah, and other than that, it was kind of trying to support it with green stuff without making it look too obtrusive to like the fluidity, like you said. But yeah, a couple of those were, I think my favorite part personally is uh, the, I guess if you're looking at it from the front, the uh, the, the right hammer. And uh, since that was kind of my first idea at getting something uh, to actually have that gap nice and highlighted and using the hammer as an attachment point, but kind of more subtle was know why i actually kind of brought the idea and started making it making it come together there are some angles of this that if you look at it from it looks even more like sculpturally to be an achievement and i i strongly recommend you try and see as much of the, the four different images as you can because it's so it's such a technical achievement of sculpture this one that i think it stands apart for me yeah appreciate it and for those of you who are interested in uh, in purchasing this, um, the vase is available from uh, from Admiralty Miniatures, and for the rest, you're on your own. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, yeah, you you can get the torsos from Cyborg, and I definitely would recommend uh, working with those. Uh, they are uh, they are fun miniatures to have. So yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of Cyborg miniatures. They've just got an aesthetic, haven't they? You can tell a Cyborg miniature just by looking at it. It does just have an aesthetic. I do like it. The current. Um, warlord for my for my new duero czar army that i haven't finished painting yet he's he's a cyborg model and yeah they're chunky aren't they they're big lads but they're very very cool models yeah i think that that was why they stood out for me so well because eddie's artwork is extremely like it's a very muscular looking genie so it's just like well yeah another reason is like i didn't have to think too hard once i was staring at the artisans contest and staring at my bits at the same time excellent but uh, Weaver, the, the thing you said on the, I think it was the forum about uh, having the two legs parts left over and still <laughs> having a face left over, you know what has to happen, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, was it, uh, was it Zanko or Zod? I can't remember. Some, one of them had the sucking the sucking the pairs of legs into a separate one. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, well, you said... I know you're going to do it at some point. <laughs> I haven't said challenge accepted on it yet, but uh, it's definitely uh, yes, on the yeah. table. It's on the table. It's, it's a matter of time, mate. <laughs> oh. Okay, now this next one is, uh, and I, I had a couple of personal favorites in this competition, but I do have to come out and say this is one of my personal favorites. Um, and I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation of some of our screen names because these are names that I, I read on a day-to-day -day basis, but um, I don't ever actually say out loud. So I believe the username is uh, Danelian or Danelian. I think Danelian is how it's pronounced. Um, his siege uh, giant is one you should be looking at now, fellas. And uh, for those of you who can't see this at home, um, what we have here is one of the the uh, 
classic Citadel giants. One of the one of the giants from Dogs of War. It was Dogs it's of War. From, it's from Mists of Albion. Albion. Um, that's what I'm this is, Albion giants. This is one of Bologs or Cactor. Awesome. It was a kind of it was Citadel's take on the old like Gog Magog, uh, old English myth of 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 the giant yeah. of Albion sort of thing, wasn't it? And they're quite iconic models. You, you've got this one, you've got the other one who's holding a rock um, above his head. But originally, these were kind of envisaged as kind of like um, Celticy sort of giants, and and Daenerys has has totally totally chaosed it up. Um, he's got some uh, chaos armor on his legs, so on his legs. He has big old chaos warrior shields on what I described like his gut plate. He has a big round kind of chaos marauder shield. He's armed with like a big Balrog style whip. And I think really, really nice is the helmet that he's wearing is almost like a kind of um, Roman centurion's helmet, but rendered in like a dark uh, red metal. And as if he isn't imposing enough, his skin has been painted absolutely like obsidian black. And his eyebrows and beard have been painted a bright orange, which is then matched by his feet, where little fire spirits are kind of dancing around him in bright orange fire. Oh, no, it's a really, really impressive model, isn't it, fellas? Absolutely. I really love this one. For me, this was the first one that I, I, I really... Well, it was the first one that got on the top three and, and the first one that stayed there. So, compliments. I especially like the the shields on the on the leg. I, I think they're well yellowish painted, but it, it's almost like gold, like non-metallic metals, and it, it looks really beautiful. I think this might be a hundred percent GW components. I was thinking the same. Uh, yeah, I I don't know where the whip comes from, but it looks a lot like it comes from a Keeper of Secrets or similar kind of slaneshi thing. Fire spirits are brimstone horrors. The the most of the chaos bits, you know, the shields, etc., that have been strapped in for armor. I think he might have made a really impressive conversion that is also coincidentally fully tournament legal, which I think is really funny. Yeah, I mean that's not something we see an awful lot of on CDO. No. I mean, there are a few people that really do it well. People like Tyranno, he manages it really, really well, but not a lot of people manage to get our aesthetic achieved through Games Workshop alone. And I think you are probably right. If there is a non-Games Workshop part of this, I can't spot it. Yeah, I really like the use of the the brimstone horrors there. I have, have used a couple in the past, and yeah, I, re I really hadn't thought of uh, have, uh, bringing them over to here. So use them for Thousand Suns mostly. But uh, yeah, they're such a fun little addition. I, I love the character in those models. They're extremely well painted, and, and they really tie in with uh, with the beard and the hair and the eyebrows, of course. And I think that's just been that. Re that really brings the whole model, makes your eye kind of travel around it. And he's he's put the kind of scattered the horrors on the base in such a way that you really it, it creates visual interest in where they're positioned, and and then tying it in with other colors on the model. Yeah, yeah. I really like the, the choice of color for the skin as well. Having it like be that pure, pure black, like 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 volcanic rock black. It's not something you see an awful lot of. It's something I have seen is um, the original, original Chaos Dwarf um, Blood Bowl team, the one before the Big Hat era. Um, the, uh, the studio models of those were painted in this style with that pure black uh, skin and the and the orange beards. I think it's the only place I've ever seen that before. 
But I find it really striking. Every now and then you see something, you think, oh man, I wish I'd done that on every single model in my army, but it's too late now. <laughs> I do. I was going to say something very similar, right? I think the thing that I find most impressive about the skin is that he's managed to bring out depth that is flesh-like depth but using a non-flesh color. And I think, you know, we're all well practiced in seeing that be done with green skin. But there really aren't role models for this kind of obsidian black that you're describing. And he's managed to give it a lot of character, which I think is definitely a significant achievement of a paint scheme. It's a hard colour to master, isn't it, Black? It's a colour I personally struggle with. I, I cheat with Black. I spray the whole thing black and stick a couple of grey highlights on it and call it done. <laughs> it, it tricks the eye to think you've actually spent the time painting it. But you, you can see here that Danelian has spent the time painting it. You really look at it on the muscles, and on the cheeks, and on the nose and stuff. There is, there's a real transition of from black up to kind of bluish greys, isn't there? And he's, he's, done the, he's done the hard work there. It's lovely. Okay. Right. Oh, it's going to be another name I'm going to butcher, isn't it? Absolutely butcher. A Betsilla. A Betsilla. All right, cool. Let's, let's do that. And then, and then let's wait for him to respond to us being like, that's lovely, but my name's Abe Cedar. <laughs> Abraham Cedar is my name. Like. Couldn't be easier. Okay, next up, um, a Betsilla. Um, and he has created... A, a very, very comic entry. And he has been known in the past for going out there and doing some of the more crazy entries into these golden hats. I do believe he is the man who in the past has given us the skateboarding uh, Chaos Dwarf. Um, so we should be not surprised at all, but he's gone for a really wacky and really fun angle with this. So his entry is actually a whole diorama. Um, and we're really, really open in the golden hat. You can enter a model, groups of models, dioramas. You know, we're 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 in, we're into anything like that. Uh, and, and the diorama is some kind of uh, competition where giants are auditioning. And uh, I imagine it's some kind of like a chaos dwarf answer to the X Factor or something like that. And there is a sign saying you must be this tall to qualify. No big hats allowed. Uh, on the stage, there is a Chaos Dwarf taking notes and looking quite disapprovingly next to a giant who uh, is clearly not tall enough to apply and whose big hat has fallen on the floor and he's now fumbling around embarrassed uh, uh, trying to pick it up. <laughs> the giant himself is a really interesting model as well. I don't know um, where the model's from actually or how much has being converted and stuff like that but he's a very very chaotic looking giant he's got a kind of like um uh like mutated kind of deformed sort of look about him but like it might be a half grown or something like that but yeah really really fun entry and i think a lot of us had a good laugh at this one didn't we my absolute favorite thing about this i i really get the feeling of like this was a labor of love in a way that that he wanted to have a good time and he wanted us to have a good time when looking at this but then if you take the detailed pictures of the giant itself it's also an impressive piece of conversion and painting where if it showed up on your tabletop you'd be like wow that's a really distinctive looking piece yeah that's what's cool is he's created a diorama but he's also created a very cool looking model which he can use in games you can take that out of the diorama and use it anytime he likes yeah, I'd be really interested. Maybe I haven't stalked the forum enough, but uh, yeah, I'd be really interested to see the build process uh, on the giant and what uh, 
where that came from, what was done to it, because he's got it, you know, perfectly, you know, reaching down as if to, you know, pick up his hat that's been knocked off. But but also that, yeah, like you said, that would work perfectly in, in a, you know, in battle. It almost looks like he'd be reaching down to grab uh, grab somebody on foot. So, yeah, totally works both ways. And yeah, definitely, uh, definitely the biggest laugh out of these entries that I that I can remember anyway. The first thing that that struck me was the pants for some reason. I mean, it's, it's really nice use of color on the pants. Well, contrasting <laughs> it with is. It's if you look at the the center bottom picture, uh, picture of the the back of his pants, like it's 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 a nice selection of of muted colors. And then I was like, okay, that's that's nice. And then I only then like five six seconds later I was like. Wait, what am I? What am I looking at? <laughs> so it's it's a uh, yeah, I like it. It's really funny, and it tells a story. It doesn't matter what story; it just tells a story. And I think as well, something uh, is quite impressive is the uh, the amount of time and effort that's clearly gone into just creating this kind of whole stage situation here. Like that's a whole piece of scenery. What do you reckon he's used there? Foam or something? XPS foam that he's cut and carved and, and and painted and stuff. It must be something like that, mustn't it? Yeah, I think so. I'm currently making a Mordheim board, and it's what I'm using. And um, you get you can get really good results out of it, but it takes work. You know, you've got to you've got to carve each of these blocks, and then the blocks don't take spray paint. So you've then got to um, find a way of undercoating them and sealing them using filler or using PVA and stuff before they're ready to be painted. Um, it's, it's it's a great material for making dioramas and for making scenery, but it does take work. It really does. Um, so yeah, yeah, big hats off off to uh, at Betsida there for for a really really gorgeous entry, amazing stuff. Absolutely. All right, lovely. Let's have a look at another giant. Okay, which one are we on to now? I think we're on high on heresy. That's it. Yeah, this one comes from high on heresy. Um, high on heresy. Uh, he joined us. Through the Discord channel, didn't he? And he's recently made the jump to the Discord. Am I right? And this is an absolute behemoth. This is also this is chaos with a capital C. I'm looking at a very, very angry, mutated, giant creature. I think I'm struggling to kind of exactly describe what race of creature this would be. So, so I think I think it's technically a cycle, right? So cygors are a type of beast man, uh, almost artillery piece that throws giant rocks. And GW make, like, or they used to make, I don't know if they still do, um, Reva might know more. Um, they used to make a cygor kit. In fact, I've got GW open. Let me just check here. But this doesn't look anything like that. No. He's, he's converted this um, really impressively because it, it honestly... The proportions, the whole thing is way more realistic than the Cygor kit, which is much more exaggerated and cartoonish. Um, and he's brought out some really interesting and impressive color um, and detail. But I'm pretty sure that we would call this a cycle. Yeah, yeah. I'm recognizing some of the parts from an Age of Sigmar kit. Is it, is it one, of the, uh, one of the big war cry monsters or something? Is he a Fomorian crusher or fibroid crusher or something something like that i believe is that is that where the faces come from that new cyclops monster 
Mm. So I am now looking at what you're talking about. And yeah, I think I think he may have converted even further if he did use that, though, because the face that he's given it is very distinctively um, different from what you would normally see. And I think that that head may be fully sculpted himself down to the mouth and the teeth. I'm pretty sure that's the case. Yeah, I mean, that from the the hairline the the mohawk line back that looks like that uh crusher model but yeah in front of that i mean he's done a lot of work to it and definitely i really like the the horns and the and the hair there that that turned out re- extremely well and yeah definitely like you said it re- he really turned the chaos up on this thing it's awesome i think there's a head with the which looks pretty similar to this though it's it's got a multi uh, multiple heads i think yeah, but you can see he's taken the foamroid crusher's head, and as you say, he's done some extensive work on it. He's changed the, the whole chin and stuff. Um, he's added these great big horns to it and that as well. And also, the foamroid model is big, but this is bigger. This is much bigger mm. than that original model. Mm. So if you look at the original foamroid model, his, his head takes up maybe a quarter or a third of his body, whereas this one takes up less than oh, yeah. a fifth of his body. It's a... He's made a much larger, like as you say, kind of Cygore style style beast here. Do you want to know a tiny little detail I bloody love about this conversion, though? He's got a love heart tattoo. Do you see that? <laughs> I do. <laughs> Very Essex. He's an Essex Cygore. He's an Essex lad. I love that. Yeah, it's probably got mum or something written in it, hasn't it? Fantastic. <laughs> Imagine the mother of this thing. <laughs> oh, I don't, yeah, this is Grendel. I don't want to meet his mother. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, really lovely model. Really lovely model. Also, the base is really nice, isn't it? He's done a load of snow effects and kind of ice effects and stuff on the base. And if you look at that kind of fist-style weapon that it's holding, it's like a giant knuckle dust of a spike. He's made that look like it's got some kind of frost and stuff, like it's an ice weapon, and it's got a green glow coming from the inside of it. This thing just screams like it's infused with magic, isn't it? Even the, the eyes on the skulls have got a greenish glow to them. I am really interested in that punch dagger weapon, though, because it's not part of, as far as I can see, the, the Fomeroid kit. And the hand is a slightly different shape. And I'm really curious about where it came from. Um, but he's definitely, you know, he's got something that looks absolutely unique here. And I think the way that he's focused on all sorts of those details, the hanging chains, the whole thing, um, is what really makes it come together for me. Yeah, the hanging chains are a really nice touch because um, part of the, um, the spec, I suppose, to what we were creating here in his competition were slave giants weren't they you know the chaos dwarves have giants in their armies but these are giants that are very much under their control be it through magic means or be it through actual uh, physical binds and and this one here has got those snow and rust encrusted chains all over him like you can imagine this thing is like lashed up to a rock you know 11 months of the year and when the enemy come they cut those chains and push him in the right direction i also like the dynamic of the well, I don't know exactly what it is, but in the hand, he's got that, that punch dagger thing. He's also got some sort of whip. I don't know what it is. I just noticed it because I was looking at the, the bottom right picture. And, well, there's this thing going up. I don't know where to. Um, but it does create some motion in the picture, in, in the model, which I do like. And the cloven hoofs also nice. 
yeah, it's the cloven hooves and the and the um, and the horns, which I suppose are also kind of a a, a beast men um, uh, kind of style things. But it's that sort of that's sort of what ties this thing to Hashet and stuff as well, isn't it? It's got that kind of like cow demon thing going on for it at the same time. I would happily feel this in my beastman army or in my chaos dwarf army. Yeah, absolutely. I think you could. You could easily. You could do it in a beastman army, a chaos dwarf army. You could have this with a chaos warrior, chaos warriors army as well, quite happily. You know, this thing could just as much be a, a, a being created by Tazinch as it could have been created by Hashet. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You br you brought up the original uh, or the the last, I would say, GW Cygor model, and I would I would much prefer to have this one sitting on the table. Definitely, it has more of like the upscaled uh, Doom Bull or upscaled Minotaur kind of vibe to it, as opposed to the 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 Cygor, which I believe other folks is it Kim if it was Xander or or who it was who converted that that uh, Cygor into something more Slanesh, would seem to be a little more fitting um for that miniature it's a little more gangly but this thing is just it's a brute and it looks great right fellas i think it's probably time to move on to the next one sounds good to me all right next up we have zanko's entry into uh into the golden hat zanko if you are listening i don't know how you keep doing it mate this is a man who has over ten thousand points of chaos dwarfs in his collection and yet Every single competition, he is still cranking out models. And even when there are no competitions on, he is still cranking out models for this army. It's an army of an absolutely astronomical scale. And Zanko's also um, a proper veteran of CDO. He, he's, he's, been, he's been involved in the website uh, for quite a lot longer than us guys as well. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Oh, a lovely bloke as well. Really, really lovely bloke. We did an interview with him for... Uh, for the first issue of the Brazen Bulletin, if you want to know a little bit more about him, about how he got into Chaos Dwarfs, and about how on earth he's managed to collect 10,000 points of these things, it's well worth reading that. But we have, yeah, Zanko's Giant here. Now, Zanko has gone down the route of creating some kind of elemental. This is like a giant in a bit more of a mythology than a fairy tale sense, you know. It's like uh, created out of a kind of emeraldy green stone. I mean, it could be warp stone. It could be weird stone it's created out of. It's a giant hulking beast, almost like Incredible Hulk in shape, but completely nude and made out of these crystal-like uh, uh, these crystal-like structures with crystalline sort of spikes coming off of its back. And just by his feet is the tiniest, tiniest little huddled over Chaos Dwarf rubbing his hands together like he's somehow controlling this thing. And I think, I might be wrong, but I think that Chaos Dwarf on his base is one of um, Ciardo's, um sculpts that he's created recently. But yeah, let's discuss this one, fellas. Well, I have to be honest. The, the first thing I thought, the literal first thing was, okay, this is simplistic. Not necessarily in a negative way, but it's like, okay, there's, you know, it's a, it's a big green giant on a gray base. But then I started to look at it and I was like, that green is just very, very beautifully painted. And there's so much depth in it. Like the eyes are a little bit different shaded. And then there's all the different cracks that are, are very, um, well, it's, it's nicely painted. It's naturally looking like, you know, a, a piece of rock that you would find in nature. And the second thing I was like, that blue skull is perfect. The, the blue helmet, I mean. He chose the perfect color to, to focus your eyes on. I really like the dwarf. And even though this was a giant competition, 
the dwarf is like the giant in this uh diorama in this picture for me yeah i agree i, I love that uh that that blue helmet really yeah it, it brings your eye to it and then and then it the the giant draws you up and away from that i feel like and that that gives that that giant a real sense of height and scale mm. and and yeah it it truly makes that model like extremely striking and just the the pose of the little guy and uh it's just it just kind of brings it all together yeah i would absolutely love to hear what this one was made out of yeah i don't know i don't know if it's sculpted or bought is it bought i don't know i think it's a bought one i'm not 100 percent, but i i think i read on his uh, uh on his, his discourse that he that it's it's one he bought i can look it up quickly if you want yeah, go for it because because uh, viewers might be interested to see if it's something they can purchase. Listeners might be interested to see if if they can get hold of one. Um, another thing about this uh, model, which I really like, is it tells a story. You know, a, a good model like this tells a little story, and I can infer so much information about that little dwarf down the bottom just from this. You know, you can imagine that this dwarf is not going to lift a finger in battle unless it's maybe to click his fingers to just make this thing absolutely mess up the enemy ranks and he can just sit back and watch it happen you know you get the feeling that this guy might be a very very powerful sorcerer who's very physically weak that he has summoned like the absolute badass bodyguard to look after him it's very cool now i might be wrong here michael i think you sent me a link to some 3d print files on my mini factory and i think i had seen that one floating around in there is it arch villain is that am i getting that right i'm not nearly as familiar hold on i'm sending a link this is the same model now i don't think i don't think zanko's a 3d printer but i bet there's an etsy store selling these or something that's yeah likely the case they, they have so many different models i imagine they have people uh with supplier tiers yeah, huh. I reckon that's probably what it is. Well, I suppose it's in his credit that I didn't recognize it because I actually have this model, um, which is cool because it's always fun to see something you know painted in a way that you don't immediately recognize. Well, I mean, the actual the actual model from um, who, who's who's it from, guys? It's from Archvillain Games, yeah. The actual yeah, model from right. Archvillain Games is called a Magma Elemental, and Zanko's taken the magma elemental and he's turned it into some kind of warp stone or or crystal sort of elemental instead so that's probably why you don't recognize it you probably would expect to see a model like this painted with um with fire and brimstone and stuff like that but the zanko's made it fit his army his army very much is inspired by the 1980s uh range isn't it and and it has a bit more of that sort of technicolor feel and that kind of old school feel to it. And he doesn't do as much of the kind of fire and brimstone stuff with his forces. So he's made this model really work for his army. Yeah, I'll say I think uh, the, the reason I was uh, second guessing myself as to whether or not that was actually uh, it was because I was assuming if it was a 3D file that, uh, that Michael would have well beat me to that punch. <laughs> <laughs> I most definitely would have if I'd have recognized it. I think what threw me off was the face because looking at the the um the rendered image of art villains uh, page you know the face is, is pretty well let's not say detailed but the mouth you know you have all the teeth and stuff like that and i didn't really see it because of maybe because of the green or something um it threw me off but if you look at it like the the, the chest hole in the middle and uh, the face it's it's well it's all there it's exactly the same model just 
Yeah, distracted by details, I suppose. All right, shall we move on to another entry then, guys? Yeah. Okay, this is uh, another entry who, whose name I'm quite likely, whose screen name anyway, I'm quite likely to absolutely um, butcher now. But um, Ryan Amanda Anna, Ryan Amanda Anna, am I saying this right, guys? <laughs> I, I think know, it's but... Ryan Amanda Anna, like it rhymes with bandana. Okay, let's do it then. So this next joint, guys, is from a screen name I'm quite likely to, to butcher now, from uh, Ryan Amandana. And he has created a, a Chaos Gargant um, with a bit more of a classic giant feel. This looks very much like a giant from Warhammer's Old World. Um, he is a very, very imposing figure, though. The giants of the Old World of Warhammer often often sculptors and artists kind of lean into the comic side of these creatures because they do have a very funny side they're supposed to be these giant uh drunken oafs and stuff but they have an absolutely vicious side as well you have to remember this is somebody the size of a house who literally eats people and what i think has been really really captured in this uh model really well is the absolute menace of this model he has this stern nasty expression on his face he looks like he you just do not want to mess with him um he's got like a corn icon um coated in blood hanging from his neck he's got a giant club which is like a rock uh tied to a log in one hand and on the other hand he has uh, a series of pieces of wood with with spear tips kind of strapped to his wrist and the pose is so threatening he's like I suppose technically at rest he's got his arms at the side and he's looking over one shoulder but he doesn't look at rest he looks like he's just absolutely battered the living daylights out of something he's now breathing very deeply and he's coming for you next what do we make of this model guys I like the the top right picture of the collage because it's like a movie poster of a some kind of hooligan movie where you're like oi <laughs> what are you looking at you know it's like just as you say, coming after you, I really like the pose. Yeah, that's a good point, Michael. I hadn't thought about that, but since uh, the way he's positioned it on the base, it really looks like you know he was, you know, especially if he were you know marching forward, and then something caught his attention, making him look over there, and he's kind of like taking that that breather to pause, or like like you said, Oxy, right after he's probably smashed the living shit out of something. But yeah, absolutely, that that just that little bit of angle gives him a. A whole like other menacing look like he's he's pulled his attention for for some reason he's about to go absolutely eviscerate it uh i, I really like the in in tune with the slave theme the the collar and and the jaw piece uh both of those in tandem i think worked really well on this and just add to the add to the evil look he's got do you notice the peasant um laying prone on the on the base as well so he underneath his great club he literally has just and the club has had some blood effects put on it he has just clubbed something. I, do you know what? This is the first time I've, I've, I've zoomed in enough to that base to really notice it. I didn't see that first at first view, but he has actually just killed something on the base. It's a lovely detail. For me, this is, I think you were saying it at the beginning, really. This is the vintage classic take, right? And, and I actually really like it for that. The other detail that I love the most, that I'm surprised you guys didn't mention, is the pupil, the size. Yeah. Um, I think it adds certain degree of like malevolence and a bit of otherworldliness to an otherwise extremely grounded mini right like chaos has not spent long 
on on mutating this dude and yet just with a simple little stylistic choice like that he comes across as absolute evil yeah also the use of shadow in the eyes i don't know if it's just lighting and picture angle but it's it's pretty well shaded around the eyes making it even more striking to have the white pupils or white eyes in the in the dark sockets and in terms of what this model actually is in terms of like where the parts have come from for it i'm looking very closely at it now and most of it is coming from the plastic citadel giant that's still available in shops now but that model um although it was absolutely revolutionary when it first came out and i do still quite like the model i've got i've got a couple in my collection it is very limited by its pose you have to make that model in that striding forward pose because that's the way that the legs are very very much fixed but an awful lot of subtle converting has been done on that model to make it stand in this way. What sort of conversion are you thinking of? I mean, you've got the glyph, right? You've got the collar. Yeah. Um, I think quite a lot of effort's gone into the club more than people might expect. Yes, it has, because that club, I recognise it from the plastic sprue, that club would normally have a series of swords put inside of it. Right. And so the swords right. have been removed and the rock has been added. The other arm is a giant's arm, but all of that rope going around it and the two spears have definitely been added. The body and arms and legs, I believe, are all from the giant kit, but they've been reposed dramatically. And it sounds like, it doesn't sound like a big deal, but that, that model is, it comes in a very set dynamic pose its whole hips and everything are making you make it do one thing and making those giants do anything other than walking forward i know because i've done it on my slanesh giant um it's not an easy job it actually takes an awful lot of converting to, to make them to make them do what you want them to do it's really interesting i might be wrong but i don't recognize the head from the plastic giant sprue unless it's just where it's got that neck thing and, and mouthpiece in front of it is it's, it's confusing my brain a little bit but i don't actually recognize it as one of the heads from the sprue i've used this sprue a lot by the way guys i've done about four of these giants <laughs> yeah one of the other things i don't know the kit that well but in fact there's two more comments i think i'll make one is i have a feeling that that rope is actually twine it is yeah yeah like literal physical twine that he's then painted which I think is a really smart move because look at the amount of effort he will have saved himself by doing that. And yet it reads so well as in scale rope. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing I think that we haven't commented on, although we kind of have, is that the way that he's positioned this model on the base makes a big difference to the way that you read it. It's a longer, thinner base and it draws the eye to the act and it draws the eye to the pummeled peasant dead body and it kind of it emphasizes the insignificance of you compared to the giant yeah which is a really cool motif for a miniature that's a giant right because a lot of the giants that we've looked at are really big but the choice and i think you've done it and we're going to look at yours in a minute oxy the choice to include someone small helps you to kind of read the giant in the world that he's in which is a good move. I think especially in a competition like this, because normally your giant is standing next to a regiment of men, and that's where you get your scale from. In a competition like this, your giant's standing there on his own. He could be 5, 10, 20 centimetres, and you wouldn't know. So, yeah, by putting that there, you get a feel 
for the size of that creature, don't you? Very good idea. Right, should we move on to the next one, fellas? Yeah. Oh, okay, this one's my one. So, yeah, this is is the the model that I painted for this competition, and this is actually um, a giant from Mantic Games. Um, Mantic Games recently released uh, their giant kit, um, and it's an interesting kit. It's it's a basic kit, as in you get a body, you get three arms two legs and two heads so you can make two different giants with different weapons and heads but that's about as far as you're going to get in terms of customization for these models there if, if you're looking for the customization of a games workshop giant kit their new mega gargans will set you back 100 200 pounds i don't know how much they are a lot of money but um this cost me about i think i got quite a good deal on ebay about 20 quid but i think you can buy them for about 30 quid from the shops so it was a budget model but i thought quite a nice model and I painted him up in the style of my new uh, Norsken-inspired Chaos Dwarfs. And um, the I put, I put the little dwarfs at his, at his ankles. You can only, only see one of them in this picture. There, there was, um, there's another one poking him in the back of a leg with a spear, which you can maybe just about make out behind the guy with a whip. But uh, I was limited for the amount of pictures I, I, could, uh, I could put on here. But anyway, I don't, I don't want to talk about my own model too much. Have you guys got anything you want to say about it? Are the, the little guys... Also in the lower picture, or is it just for this for the for the top right picture? Uh, they will be in the bottom left picture, but they're so small it'll be quite hard to see in that picture. Okay, that made it just a tiny bit more awesome because it was I thought you had like put them in the in the picture and then taken them out for the other ones, but they are totally not visible. It makes it makes the giant even seem even taller. Anyway, I immediately knew this was you. <laughs> uh, just based on the, well, grayish skin tones and overall style, because it's, well, it's perfect for your Jordan. Do I say it right? I'm calling them the Duero, but yeah, the, the Norsey Dwarfs. Yeah, that was it. Um, so I think it's it's just the muted uh, color scheme and, and the bright red cloth on his uh, stomach, I suppose. Mm-hmm. That, that just pop out. I'll say the same thing I said to you before. You really missed a chance to give him a, a what's it called? The, the Scottish pattern on his Oh, like a tartan. Like, yeah, you should have given him a tartan skirt. But other than that, perfect. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that really caught me, I mean, the, the obviously the, the skin has been mentioned uh, on the forum. But uh, I actually really enjoyed all of the the rope work and how how well that was painted. And that's yeah, I mean, you can tell there's like great care put into that, and it's it's you know used in profusion on the model. So that's no small amount of effort to get that all looking you know distinct. And there's also an, enough uh, different hues within it, so you get kind of the sense that it's you know they grabbed what they had and they they you know clothed this guy up. And I think that that comes across extremely well. And, and and looking in the shins too, and I think that uh, that top right picture, just having that guy there, um, but then also just seeing the detail on, yeah, they lashed a whole bunch of things to these shins to give him a little bit of something. Um, but just the painting on that came out uh, came out extremely well. I think Oxy, you've made such a huge difference to the face. And the thing about that Mantic Giant, which is everywhere, you know, this year, is that it is so distinctive looking but you've made yours look completely unique and i think that adds a huge amount of value um 
and and if you haven't seen an image of this because i i voted for this one as well and and the skin is the thing that leaps out at you as a technical achievement but the thing that nobody mentioned on the forum that i've been preoccupied with is if i could direct you guys to look at the lower two photos of the four Oxy, how much time did it take you to get the bark on that club in exactly the way that you wanted it? Because it is incredibly distinctive looking and very impressive. I'm so glad you mentioned the tree because it's the only bit I want to talk about. <laughs> so <laughs> I painted almost all of this giant. His base was actually the last thing to be done, but he was basically painted apart from the great big log that he was holding. And I was looking at the model, in not in terms of it being a, real giant and it doing its thing but in terms of it trying to be a coherent piece of art i suppose and it had its brown sort of stuff around its legs all those ropes and stuff and it had brown ropes around his body and a brown wrist wrappings and then i took a look at this thing he was holding and thought am i supposed to do a brown tree even though i've kind of decided in this model the ropes are brown do you know what I mean? And I thought, how am I going to make that stand out and look good? So I ended up doing a really stupid amount of research into what rotting um, silver birch, uh, silver birch, is it? Yeah, it's rot silver birch. What, what silver birch looks like when it starts to rot, when the the silver um, the silver bark starts kind of peeling off, and when little bits of uh, moss and stuff start growing into it, and um, it might not be the most impressive part of the model but it's the part of the model that definitely took the most thought and kind of research to go into really and i was quite happy with it in the end because now the model kind of reads of white snowy base and white snowy club in the air and then him in the middle of those two things and it kind of i think works a bit better i think if it was brown it wouldn't have worked as well so thanks chits i'm glad you noticed the tree mate <laughs> that's what you keep me around for boss <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think another part of that, and I don't know if this was intentional or not, but it very much reads as uh, as a three to me uh, because of the the beard and and the the white and grays you pulled into that, and uh, and uh, three's a great number when you're talking artistically, and and you've spaced them out on on this miniature quite well. So yeah, it pulls your eye around if you know if you're, you're grabbing these white areas and and it pulls you around in three different locations, and that uh, that odd number works very well. Um, I would say probably the only other thing and it and probably one of the things that calls this out as being your scheme is that you didn't go with some like mossy green on, on the tree because that wouldn't have uh, that wouldn't have jived with anything else. But it would have technically been an option in terms of how to address brown rope on something. But uh, I mean, you chose the option that that fits extremely well with your theme and your and this model in particular. Yeah, green was something I flirted with. It really was. But I just thought if I put too much greenery in it, the basing scheme was kind of thrown out as in like, where the bloody hell have you been in the mountains and found this really green tree? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. But I know what you mean. Yeah, it would, it would have worked in terms of colour. Um, and that you, you mentioned the beard and Chits mentioned the face there. Um, if you guys remember back to the last Artisans competition, which was where people were um, drawing giants, Atom, um, Atom Taylor created a picture which was of the classic Citadel giant being attacked by a bunch of 1980s cows dwarfs being bonks on the head. That was the picture that was open on my desktop when I was sculpting his beard and eyebrows and stuff. Um, so Atom, if you listen to this, I don't know if you do, mate, that was a 
That was a direct inspiration. I totally lifted your drawing when I created that. So that, that would be a 1980s miniature inspiring your drawing, which then inspired uh, my miniature. Right, cool. Shall we move on to the next entry? Yeah. Uh, next giant bomb. Jack Swift, uh, an artist whose work I am always absolutely in awe of. Whenever he enters these competitions, he always enters something really, really impactful. Uh, thoughtful and interesting and he's not he's not failed to uh to deliver on that this time so he has entered as his siege giant um some kind of giant kadai destroyer fire elemental robotic demon monster it is an absolute beast michael this is from one of the uh 3d printing patrons what one is it i knew this question was going to come i have no idea I, I I think I have it, but I, is that the Titan Titan Forge? It might be Titan Forge. Well, the the gunners I have are from the same uh, release, I believe, so that would make sense. I'm almost certain it's Titan Forge because I almost bought one of these because you can buy it as well as print it. Same. Yeah. Yep. Oh, really? <laughs> um, and for those of you who are. <laughs> those of you who are able not able to see the images right now i'll give you a very quick description of what we are seeing here um this as i said is a giant robotic kind of monstrous kadai destroyer creature it has um three arms i think or has it got four arms i can't quite tell there are four yeah it's, it's got multiple limbs either way two of its limbs are clutching a giant axe the axe also has a demon's head built into it uh, another limb is clutching a great big shield there is a fourth limb there is with another axe peeking out behind that it's got a beard but the beard is completely made out of metal chains and its face is far more bestial than dwarven in fact the whole thing has like a giant robot minotaur sort of motif going on and and jack swift has used uh, a lot of reds in the creation of this and it's got lava and stuff all over the base but i think the thing that we're probably going to discuss quite a bit that catches your eye is his use of blues in the metal a very cold uh, non-metallic metal blue running through an awful lot of this so yeah who, who wants to go first and, and try to pull up Part of this absolute beast right so first of all sorry first of all this is from titan forge's sons of kashan Vra range i don't know if you pronounce it like that but i suppose you do and it's called an infernal infernal golem um and i do believe there's been quite some uh, modification and adding bits and pieces to it extensively uh, i was pouring over this I, and this is no offense to everybody else on the forum but in terms of folks' blogs who I have saved the most pictures from to my personal archive of things I'd like to use in some way, uh, I think Jack Swift kind of steals the cake on that. Um, yeah, a lot of conversion work, particularly since this was a you know, four-limbed thing with, I believe, all of the same weapon, and he's gone and made it something that's much more applicable to kind of the siege theme and, uh, and particularly the, the piston hammer with uh, this, I believe it, uh, he mentioned it might have been a, a Reaper land shark or something of that, something of that nature. I could go back and check, but I had to go search that mini up. Um, but yeah, and the, the conversion on that to make a very appropriate looking kind of lava demon head with, with the blade on it definitely uh, sells it for this uh, competition compared to kind of its original form, which has uh, the axe that I believe he only used once on the model in terms of... Uh, the actual weapon that it's yeah it, it in its native habitat it has the same axe four times 
And so he's added the shield. He's added um, the two-handed weapon that sits across both of the hands on the, the left-hand side. He's reposed it, even though it's not particularly posable, so that both those arms are gripping that same um, two-hander. Um, but then he's also added a massive chain gun to the shoulder. I don't know if you guys missed that one. Um, and I think the thing is that the way in which he's heavily converted this is he's taken something that starts off with a really distinctive look and he's just really made it his own thing completely. Um, and then the coat of paint he's put on top of it um, is just a tremendously well-realized vision, I think. And And you're right, that contrast between the horns, um, which are almost, you know, implying electrical charge or, or, or ice magic or something, um, is is the counterpoint for the colour. Um, but the the thing that I actually like the most is that there is a heavy implication that the, the shield is starting to glow red hot at the base because it's being held next to the magma which I just think is an incredibly well-realised and well-thought-out effect that he's had. Such a lovely touch, isn't it? I mean, it's not that that's that's not a uh, lighting effect. That is like the actual shield is heating up from its from its uh, proximity to the hot floor. What a lovely touch! Yeah, another thing that uh, uh, he I believe he used him in uh, that Nautiloid submarine. A, uh, several competitions back, but uh, he pulls in a lot of uh, Lego Bionicle parts from time to time, and I believe I, I could be wrong maybe i'm misremembering but i believe that kind of spiky ball looking thing in the center of the back um i believe that's something uh looted from a bionicle kit and uh that's something that uh, he immediately has forced me to go loot all of those old things i had as a kid and uh and yeah i mean i, I use them all the time and they certainly uh, you can you can pick and choose and often just like throwing them in like this or slap some rivets on them or a few insignias and they really they really pull right into the aesthetic extremely well especially and I feel like his uh, part of the reason I end up saving a bunch of his images is how much uh, the style overlaps with with yeah mine. definitely the head that's been used on the hammer by the way is from a Reaper miniature but it's called a burrowing horror. And he's heavily converted that, right? He's had to do significant surgery even just to separate the, the head from the body because in the original miniature, it's it's completely built into the torso, this head. It doesn't have a neck or anything like that. So he has put in the hours on this conversion and I think all power to him because he's got very impressive results. Yeah, we're looking at a real project here. We're looking at a, a planned, thought out and well executed long-term project yeah amazing stuff really really nice jack swift as always well done mate well done okay moving on from jack swift oh we have one of the ones which was one of the uh the real favorites of the competition for quite a lot of us iron hayden's entry now uh for those of you who can't see this iron hayden uh has taken the concept of a um siege giant and he's applied it to his hobgoblin force. And he's got a, uh, a bunch of hobgobos at the moment that are in a very, very striking colour scheme. They're in like um, kind of snowy blue bases. They have this bright green skin and bright purple clothing. It's very evocative of actually the, uh, the bad guy hobgoblin from the old Spider-Man comics. It's that sort of colour, right? Like 
pops it does it's really nice but he's taken the siege giant thing and applied it to his hobgoblin army so his giant is literally a giant hobgoblin we're talking a hobgoblin who's about seven or eight times the size of your average hobgoblin and he's kind of nonchalantly leaning back on his weapon uh, and i believe his weapon is 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 upon some poor little bugger on the floor and is he picking something out of his nose or inspecting something close to his face? Something like that, isn't he? And he's wearing a uh, like a Chaos Dwarf style big hat rendered in gold and purples. And of course, the top of the hat's on fire as well. Because why, why not? Why absolutely why not? When you're going as crazy as you want with a miniature like this, put his hat on fire as well. I was so, so impressed with this model. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Um, who would like to say a few bits about it? Um... Yeah, I really like this one. That was, this was the, the second one I saw that immediately won a spot on my top three. Um, actually bumped maybe to the first place immediately. It's just so funny. It was completely different than everything else we've seen. And not to, like, you know, discredit the other entries, but this was just so incredibly funny. And also, he really had to make this from scratch. I don't think there's any giant hobgoblin to be found. I'm pretty sure he posted about it, actually. Let me see if I can find the reference, because I was quite surprised. But it is it, the, the core goblin itself is actually something that he acquired. Really? Um, now, Hay yeah, Hayden knows goblins like nobody on this earth. I'll tell you that for free. Um, I've I've traded with him. I've traded him some classic hobgoblins. He's he's into them more over and above the chaos dwarfs. It'll take me a little while to find this. Right. Well, you no, know, the 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 booger or whatever he's he's looking at is is just a real focal point. Um, I really like that, and it's almost like if he's like trying to taste his own booger, which is <laughs> obviously very funny. Um, the little goblin standing next to him like really shows the scale of this thing. That's that's a nice touch. Um, as you said very eloquently, the, the the colors are very they pop a lot. They are very striking. Um, also, the brass of the uh, well shields, whatever it is on his on his stomach, is is nicely done. Uh, also, comes back quite a lot throughout uh, the rest of the model. And I also like his shoes or socks or whatever you'd like to call them. They they are they immediately reminded me of the Smurf discussion we had a while back about the goblins <laughs> that were painted blue. How you beat me to it? I was going to say that those the his foot coverings, his shoes for for whatever word you want to use there. Those are one of my favorite parts of the model, certainly. And I don't know said draws my eye there and then immediately over to you know the left in that top right picture immediately to the left of the the shoes is the is your scale reference and then after that you're just like okay i'm staring at something huge here <laughs> also like the fact that he bent the sword or yeah. whatever it is <laughs> do you notice as well so he's got like a couple of halflings stuffed in a bag or whatever they're being spiked there but if you look at the base uh, next to it there's a uh, there's a goblin which has clearly been absolutely squashed flat by one of his footsteps i think mm -hmm. that squashed goblins from the plastic giant kit but yeah a lovely touch to add that in right that's actually a model that's yeah cool. and and i think the thing is when you see it you'll you won't lose your respect for what he's done because he has tremendously converted it um, but the fundamentals of the pose and the, you know, 
is it a bugger is it what is going on is still the same but in adding the giant big hat to it and then doing a huge amount of other work obviously um he's turned it into something that once again and as ever for the forum is is almost completely unique right um absolutely the hat is probably my favorite part i like the fact that he changes clothes yeah exactly like i said knowing that he used a core mini when you look at that core mini it doesn't detract at all the pose is the main thing that he's taken from it almost everything else has been converted yeah yeah definitely and he's made it fit mm. his army hasn't he such an impressive model such an impressive conversion lovely all right should we move on to our next entry and the last entry. Is this for last entry now? Wow, God, we've got through these, haven't we? Oh, fantastic. Yeah, so next entry uh, comes from, from was it from Zod the Immortal? It was, wasn't it? Yeah, last entry from Zod. There we go. So Zod the Immortal, not to be outdone by anyone, said, okay, this is a giant competition. I'm entering three. And he's actually painted up three different interpretations of the brief for the competition and entered them all at once. And he's done it all in his absolute trademark style. He has a style of painting which I just absolutely love. Um, you were saying, Reeve, about how much time you spend on Jack Swift's blog. It, it's, it's Sod the Immortal's blog that I'm spending all my time on at the moment. It really is. He's locked down uh, Chaos Dwarf's blog. He has a style which is both very new and using new techniques, but is so old school in its feel at the same time and in its palette, in its color choice. But anyway, I'll, I'll describe for the guys at home what we have here. So first of all, we have a siege giant. This giant is the um, kind of middle hammer uh, metal giant from the old orcs and goblins range. He's the one who has the signpost um, uh, hammer that says null 10 miles or something like that on it and is a model we've all probably seen quite a few times he's often got the kind of like crocodile scale head helmet thing going on but what Zod's done is he has really made him look like a cow's dwarf has fitted him out for war he's put big old metal plates on one of his shoulders and he's put a chaos shield on the other shoulder and over his head he's got this kind of like large wide metal helmet that looks like it's attached to him, riveted to his body or riveted to his skull with little eye holes for him to look out of. Um, it has a real look like this is a kind of a slave sort of beast. Um, the next giant he's entered is one of the uh, the giant golems from the Scotia Grendel range. I, I own one of these. They are really, really delightful models. They are so old school in their feel, but they're so modern in their scale. They look like an old Citadel model, but they didn't used to make old Citadel models this big, you know? <laughs> it's a really, really cool model. And he's painted this one. This one has like a machine gun and a giant power claw. And he's painted it in very bright blues with purple accents and um, the edge highlighting and, and, and stuff on that is absolutely expert. And then when we move over, the next one that he's got is he's got, uh, it's a juggernaut, isn't it? One of those kind of metal rhinos of corn, um, but not any old juggernaut. This is a juggernaut with a little howler on the back and on that is a chaos dwarf with a hand-operated cannon. Um, quite a trio, isn't it? It's quite a lot to pick apart here, guys. Yeah, this one took a lot of uh, <laughs> inspection to just figure out what the hell I was watching or what I was looking at. It was like every model has his own 
little hidden delights that you can uh, uh, discover. Uh, overall, they're very uh, they're very cohesive, uh, which I like. Yet totally and completely different. Um, obviously, the one that's most striking is is the Scotia Grendel one, mostly because of the blue. Yeah, and and uh, the guy with the giant metal dome on his head, he, he reminded me of Juggernaut from the X Men. So that was a funny. Yes, definitely. Hey, yeah, thought, thought the same thing. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, so I really like them. Um, the, it's it's just weird and funny at the same time. Just fits with old school Chaos Dwarfs. Yeah, I think uh, of of the things that uh, that that Dome Helmet just hilarious fantastic absolutely just yeah sells that on on being a slave giant love the the little skull on, on the on the spear as if he legitimately came up to a wall and uh and managed to spear somebody right right through right through the crenellations uh yeah i think i think that one's my favorite of the three uh i know there was a little cheeky uh vote for which of the three um was your favorite and i think that one takes it for me but but i do like the uh the conversion of the of the juggernaut with the the little guy and 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 the bell uh, just for some reason that that little uh, howda he's got on the juggernaut just uh there's a lot of character in that miniature and i especially for uh, a siege scenario i think uh that one really fits extremely well in the contest having the, the little uh bombard operated and then also a juggernaut so i think uh, yeah he's brought together some really great concepts there i think my favorite with trio is the giant i just think just visually, in terms of what the the brief was for this to create a slave giant, I think it might be the best that we've had in this competition as as a visual. You look at that straight away. That is an enslaved giant that Chaos Dwarfs have, have, have kind of shackled up. I think it just reads like that straight away. It requires no explanation at all. You look at it and you know exactly what you're dealing with. I think there's a lot to be said for the Juggernaut though, um, because that howder and the way i mean i've got a thing about war beasts right i think they're really cool um but more broadly i think it, it it's a really interesting take on like a classic gw silhouette that you'd expect to see with lizard men or something like that but it's exactly the kind of thing that the chaos draw should be yeah. doing and so i think they've got a huge amount of character invested in that even though you know it uses pieces from more generic chaos ranges it, it really uses them well absolutely Zod is so brave with the colours he uses. Like, look at that juggernaut. He's got a juggernaut there that is purple, blue and red. The shield just above it is green and pink. The guy with the cannons wearing pink and blue is next to a guy in red. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's colours that I'm not sure I'm brave enough to throw with each other. On the other side of it, the second shield is, is, is yellow and blue. And yet, somehow... He makes it work. And I think he makes it work because he's lent into it so much as a theme that that eclectic look is the colour scheme for this army. I think if you were to stick that model in my army, it would look completely out of place. But in his army, it just works because he is... I think the old 1980s Chaos Dwarfs were never viewed as a cohesive force. They were a little unit full of characters, weren't they? Every little person in there looked different to the guy next to him. And I think he's really lent into that in his in the way that he's designed his army. And I think that's how he gets away with it with his colour schemes. Because as I say, 
I'm not sure I could make it work, but he really has. But but talking about his colors in general, not not only the competition, but in general, his 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 use of colors is just magnificent. I mean, not only the colors he chooses, but the way he applies them. For example, if you look at the uh, the Grendel Scotia looking uh, thing, and you look at his feet, or well, whatever it's called for a metal thing. The blue on there is just stunning. It's absolutely beautifully shaded. Yeah, yeah, it really is, isn't it? Yeah, and he's not done what I off. I, I've I've got one of these golems, and I I went the very lazy route of it a little bit. Like when I was talking about black earlier, where I just lent into really over the top edge highlighting to to cover up the fact that I can't paint things like that. I hate painting vehicles. Um, so my one, I painted it red, dark red did a wash and then did some orange highlights, called it done. But when you really look at the blues he's used here, there are whole tones of blue moving to from, from dark right out to light. And those edge highlights that he's done are tiny. They're expert little thin uh, edge highlights he's got on there. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's not a take away from what he does. Uh, absolutely, it's, it's more like to credit what he does. It's like the effect you get when you use contrast paint, but then how it should be when you use contrast paint. Like it's it's the effect that I intend intend to get, but never achieve because it's not well. That's it's a cheat. <laughs> so if you look at this, this is just perfectly shaded, without looking edge highlighted or or um, I don't know. It's it's I don't know how he does it. It's it's just. Beautiful. Well, it's that word, isn't it? Contrast. Everything about this actually does have, in the artistic sense of the word, not in the Citadel paint scheme sense of the word, it actually has literal contrast from, from dark to light, from one colour to another and that sort of thing. I wonder if he plans these colours. I hope so. Sits down with his brush and just thinks, I'm going to go for it. <laughs> I hope he does plan it. I hope it takes a lot of work to plan these because else... You know, something has to make me feel a bit better. <laughs> if he just does it naturally, yeah. we're quitting. No, 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 that's not true. <laughs> we're <Yeah>. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I think I think that's all the giants we had there, fellas. That was an absolutely epic competition. You know, we're not the world's biggest forum. And having 12 people take time and energy and planning and dedication to each create really really visually stunning models like this and to enter them for a deadline you know it's not it's not to be sniffed at it really really isn't and i think that uh we should be extremely proud of, of our of our little community and extremely proud of the artists to call it home because what an absolutely fantastic show from everyone there it just makes you remember why the golden hats have the prestige that they do because it's it's a always a tight competition there's never a clear this person or that person's model it's always tight because the standard of both painting and also imagination creativity and the application of that that whole chaos dwarf theme is just always of such a high standard really cool stuff yeah i have to say you know this is my first golden hat since joining the forum as a, an active poster um and obviously i didn't enter um you guys know that that i don't have access to any of my modeling supplies or any of that kind of stuff for a, a couple more months but one thing i will say is that even when i do get all of those things i'm never going to enter this contest because 
the standard that you guys hold each other to always bringing ideas that I never even would have thought of and even when using a miniature off the shelf converting it to such a huge and heavy degree um that I think it is just onwards and upwards and who knows what the next golden hat has in store right I think we're gonna have to get you to join in shit so I'm not sure you read the small print when you signed up to the forum this isn't an option mate (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, who knows what the next golden hat will bring, the next painting competition. We know what the next competition is, though. The listeners might be interested to know that the next competition isn't a golden hat. It's uh, it's kind of a sister competition to the golden hat, which is the artisans' competitions. Now, where the golden hat is a purely painting-focused competition, and obviously, as you can see, we do celebrate heavily conversion and sculpting and stuff within that. It is primarily a painting competition. The artisans competition is slightly different in that it is often more of an art competition, as in create something. Uh, so we've had artisans competitions before, which have been to draw or paint something. And we've had ones that have been to build something. And this one is, is to build something, to convert something, to create something. So this next competition, painting is a factor but creativity and the building of something is an even bigger factor. So artisans competitions are open to people, for example, who don't paint, who just build. Uh, people who do 3D sculpting and stuff like that can enter their, this competition. And the the theme is 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 artillery, is is uh, is is cannons, siege engines, trebuchets. But I think uh, the three guys who who are going to be entering from the podcast. We've already decided amongst us that it's a little mini competition, and um, yeah, you can create any artillery you want for this. But but I mean, who wants to go live on air and explain what it is that us three have decided we're going to be creating for this competition? Well, it's it's not that difficult though. It's an ass cannon. The ass cannon. It's going to be a beautifully beautifully sculpted demonic butt shooting, whatever you fancy, at whatever you fancy, in whatever way you fancy. Genitals included, if you please. <laughs> so we don't kink shame here, guys. <laughs> um, we, uh, yeah. So for those of you who are regular adjusted <laughs> members of society and are not aware of a Nick Lund ass cannon, I mean, God bless you. You've obviously lived a very, very fine altruistic life, but I'm about to ruin your life by by flashing an image up on the screen. Um, this cannon was uh, an unreleased model uh in the 1980s uh and like so many of those unreleased models from the 1980s it must have at some point been leaked from a studio because you can for a very very high price still find them floating around on the internet um and it is literally a shackled demon whose body has been turned into a cannon and the uh the uh the sculptor has been extremely mature about that and he's made sure that it's the arse of of the demon which is the cannon end that is uh that's firing projectiles at the enemy uh it was originally called the demon cannon but the community has since known it as the uh the ass cannon or the arse cannon depending on the type of image you speak and um it's become a little bit of a folklore legend amongst us. There are a few of us that own arse cannons. There, Zanko owns three arse cannons. <laughs> <laughs> there have been modern sculptures of it as well, haven't there? There's been one by uh, by Adam Taylor. Uh, there's been another one by John Pickford. Uh, I can show those on the screen as well. They've both been modern interpretations of this model. But yeah, we've decided amongst three of us that we are going to be um, creating our own arse cannons for the next Absolutely. competition. 
We need I mean, an arsenal. Already well underway. Already well underway. I, I feel it necessary to to ask you guys to just run down the coincidence that happened in every brazen broadcast household over the course of the last week where you told your girlfriends slash wives what it was that you were actually starting work on because i ended up telling mine about what you were doing which is weird enough but i'm really (laughs) interested to hear what your girlfriend said when you said I'm going to be sculpting a giant dem- demon that shits cannonballs. Yeah, I guess I'll go ahead. Uh, and, and this actually happened uh, in, in, in preface of the actual contest announced where I had already uh, come up with the idea and, and got working on it just because it needed to happen. Uh, and so essentially uh, I was you know, explaining yeah, the contest, uh, last contest wrapped up and, and we're going to discuss the, the golden hat on the podcast, etc. And Essentially went forward with, well, I'm uh, starting to build my own uh, ass cannon for the next contest. It's based on a really awesome old miniature, unreleased, uh, rare to get. And uh, and she's like, I don't believe that's a thing. Uh, and I was like, oh, no, no, it's a thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a demon that shoots, uh, you know, whatever it wants out its ass. And uh, she's like, oh, that's not a thing. So I sent uh, sent some pictures <laughs> chatting on Discord. Um, so I was like, oh yeah, here it is. Take a look. And she's like, oh, I can't really see like that. I still don't believe you. And so then I had to send a side view and it's like, oh yeah, nope. Clearly that's coming out the ass. So, uh, and then it was like, well, yeah, okay. I guess that's funny. Moving on. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Well, uh, we were eating dinner, so <laughs> oh, no. no better time to tell her about, uh, demonic ass i'm sculpting so i was explaining in detail that there was an old model that looked like a demon bound to the floor with a metal tube sticking out of his ass shooting whatever um and that uh, there's a new competition where we had to make one of those uh, and her reaction was okay literally that's it okay on the other hand today when i actually did some sculpting uh, she walked in and she saw what the hell I was holding in my hand and well she looked at me like somewhat disappointed like you know when you look at a kid who's just been caught you know drinking or something like Ugh. and she's like yeah. what are you doing and I was like you know with a boyish smile I'm sculpting a butt <laughs> and she's like again <laughs> okay and she walked away I mentioned it to my missus um we're driving in the car to work <laughs> and said about how how the last competition had gone and said about the next competition coming up and I said um, it's an arse cannon competition I said so I'm going to be sculpting an arse cannon and she just said haven't you already got one? <laughs> nice <laughs> and I said no and she said you've spoken about them enough I thought you already had one that is that is almost disturbing um, so it's shameful is what it is Jess. so I told mine and I had to explain this to her and you have to understand that like she got together with me before I got back into the hobby right? and the hobby is like extremely new as a publicly discussed topic in our household because I don't particularly enjoy talking about it um, and her, I, I kind of sat her down I said look every, all the other lads on the podcast have told their messes about this 
So now, even though I'm not really involved in this because I'm not going to be making one, I need to walk you through it. Um, and I showed her the picture and I talked to her about the history of it, why it's so rare and coveted. And she knows about my eBay shop and all of the trading that I do. Um, and she literally just kind of blinked it away and was just like, men are pigs and just <laughs> left the room shaking her head gently. And I said, you know, I asked her to elaborate and she was just like, I don't expect anything better from men when you leave them alone is it, it all just degenerates into this. And I thought that was an interesting take on it because we've definitely done that to this artisan <laughs> contest, whether they want us to or not. Yeah, we definitely have. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I explained to, when I explained to Mrs. because I've started creating mine now, I've of got course. a skeleton of it done. And she said, she said, well, well ha what, what are you making? How are you making it? And I, I just didn't know the words to tell her because at that point I was already, you know, well into making a millipart sphincter at that point. <laughs> and and all, I, all I had to say to that was, um, I'm creating something that you will be ashamed of. And quite frankly, I am ashamed of. <laughs> and I just left it at that, really. I'm not sure if she. I'm going to show her the final product. <laughs> I'm I not think... letting my daughter anywhere near it. <laughs> oh, mine is looking at it every day. She's like, "What are you making?" <laughs> I was like, "Well, it's a monster." Oh, what's that? Well, that's a metal tooth. <laughs> Why is it shooting out of his butt? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to answer this. <laughs> but it's you know, she's cool. For those who are interested in buying an Ars Cannon, um, although the original unreleased miniature is extremely valuable and can, can go for up to £500, um, you can get a really nice Demon Cannon that looks somewhat similar to the old classic one from oldschoolminiatures.co.uk for about £27, which is super reasonable. If you must have an Ars Cannon in your life, do that. It will not surprise any of the lads on the podcast to hear that about 5 a.m. this morning, I completed a transaction to get my own original unreleased Ask Cannon, um, which will be with me in the next couple of weeks, um, at which point we can start having conversations uh, about where it should go and who might be interested in it. But at the very least, I will have my own Ask Cannon, even though it won't be one I made myself. Motion to make this uh, artisan's contest the uh, the golden DJ competition. <laughs> we'll just need a new medal up on the forum for that. It's just the golden yeah. turd. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. This is this is a uh, it's kind of a new high. It's kind of a new low. In fact, you know, we, we, we've got we've got what we want, but we've got what we wanted. But at what cost? Should, should we have been given it? Should we have been given it? Probably, probably I not. Can only... I can blame Admiral. It was Admiral's technically, technically Admiral made this competition, even though I think he was probably um, asked yeah. by each of us at different points for the competition to be about this. But the guy said the competition's open anyway. We have turned it into our own personal ask cannon competition. <laughs> The competition is, is very, very open to if somebody wanted to make a crazy juggernaut or a big trebuchet or a bolt thrower or a battering ram or any of those sorts of things. So, if, listener, if you're interested in getting involved uh, at Chaos Dwarfs Online, um, this competition is going to be running for a little while. Um, the the deadline is not until June 2021, so like you, you, you've got a good 
couple of months now to create something or something you've already created not shared with anyone and, and to enter it into this competition to come and get involved in our community it'd be awesome if you could <laughs> you might create an ask cannon you might create something tasteful i don't know but um and the community is just absolutely buzzing right now. We have so many new people joining every single day. We've got people who are hearing the podcast and coming and joining, people that have read the magazine coming and joining, people that are discovering us through Facebook and through other social media coming and joining us. Um, a load of people from the Discord channel have come to join the forum recently as well. So we've got a load of new blood coming in. And some of these new blogs that people are coming out with are just absolutely amazing some of the content on the website right now is just of the highest highest standard so come contribute or at least just come along and feast your eyes at what's going on in cows dwarfs online we would love 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 to see you over at the forum but unfortunately guys that's all we have time for this uh this brazen broadcast special uh today so we will be seeing you again soon uh we also have the uh the new bulletin coming out uh in june so that'll be coming out to you soon as well but for now um i think it's about time to say good night and goodbye from us all so yeah see you later guys thanks for listening Ta -da. see you later guys bye